Live from the KIJU studios in beautiful Ogasawara, this is the Monster Island Film Vault, episode 45, Godzilla the Series, New Family and Deadlock, featuring Eli Harris. Hello, Kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your host, Monster Island's one and only film curator, Nate Marchand. Please, Jimmy, I don't think they can afford to hire another one, all right? Let's just keep it to me. I like the job security. Today, however, is a very special day. We're trying a lot of new things today here on the Film Vault. And part of that is thanks to this man right here. That's right. He's not only a member of MIFV Max on Patreon, he's also Kaiju Media Junkie on Instagram and the co-host of the Tokusatsu Beyond podcast. It's Eli Harris. How's it going, Eli? Uh, doing pretty good. I, I got some good sun up here on the island. Oh so yeah, it's been good. yeah, it's been uh, you know, catching some rays, working on that tan. You know, uh, you're from a landlocked state, so that definitely helps. You know, catching all that sun. Yeah, well, doing gaslight was my job. You know, other than talking about Godzilla all day, <laughs> I get some good sun, but I've never had sun like this. Oh yeah, I've never been sunburned. Oh really? How have you managed to not get sunburned? A lot of sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) I was a very sheltered child. (laughs) Calm down, guys. Calm down. All right. Jimmy, I don't need you adding Eli to your rogues gallery, okay? You've already made enemies of enough or frenemies. I'm not so sure. With enough of my guests. All right. Let's just. I'm sorry about that. I'm a big fan of his. He's already starting to make fun of me. (laughs) Part of his job. Yeah. Part of the job description. Well, what he does. you know, I think I think what needs to happen is that you should keep yours and you should get another producer. Ooh. Oh, look at the salt. Oh, do you hear that? Listen. listen. Oh, 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 yeah, he's raging, man. He is raging. Listen, if I, if I talk like that to my host, I would get fired. <laughs> or like any person I did on the job. Oh, so this, you're this... a lucky man, Jimmy. I'm yeah. telling you. Oh, yeah, this is this is very true, Jimmy. You need to listen to him. He's very wise for his age. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. I, would, I would have been kicked at least once. <laughs> yes. I think the three of us need to go, like, get drinks or something at King Caesar's Palace or, you know, have a good time. Okay, after this. hey, <laughs> listen, I'm finally 21, so I can get a drink. What do you recommend? I still haven't drunk anything. I turned 21 like a month ago. Uh, oh, really? Well, for a while, they have this thing, the Russ Tamblin Martini. It was, it was very dry. But unfortunately, Very, I think it's been discontinued, which is a little unfortunate. Like the, they've, just like his career. Yes, unfortunately. But I hear the Atomic Sunrise is pretty nice here. They uh, put in a little bit of Mothra dust in there to spice it up a little bit. Uh, it might make you a little bit sleepy, unfortunately. That sounds amazing. Okay, then we'll do that. But the All reason right. that I'm saying that this is a special episode is because... This episode of the Monster Island Film Vault is brought to you by Eli Harris. <laughs> you are a member of MIFV Max. You're welcome. 
<laughs> you, Eli, are a member of MIFV Max on Patreon, and you decided to sponsor the show at the level where you got to pick something for us to cover here on the show. And I can't begin to tell you how happy that made me. And I am really excited that you are the first one. And you pledged at the level where not only did you get to pick what we were cover, you got to come on the show. <laughs> I know. I get to talk about Godzilla stuff. Yes. And, you know, have fun doing it. So. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to tell everybody okay. what we're talking about today? This is your show. All right. So we are going to talk about Godzilla, the animated series from the Godzilla 1998 film. We're going to cover the first two episodes. The what is it? The new uh, new family. Talk. Yeah, it is the new family and deadlocked. Yeah. Oh, dead, no, the one about the Loch Ness monster. Oh, just deadlocked, not deadlocked. It's just deadlocked because dead it's a pun, you know. Yeah, <laughs> because Loch Ness monster. <laughs> and uh, when you and I, I were talking jokes, <laughs> when you and I were talking about, oh, there's so many puns for the <laughs> for the show. Like they have an episode called Website that's about a giant spider. Okay. <laughs> that's a thing. Yes, I want it. <laughs> anyway so yeah we're talking about the first two episodes and then your favorite episode deadlock because when deadlock. you when we were talking about this i said okay what do you want to do and you said i want to do godzilla the series okay let's pick some episodes i was like i don't know which ones i'm like okay what's your favorite episode deadlock okay why don't we do the first two episodes so we can introduce everybody who may not know what this show is to the show and then we can talk about your favorite episode and I thought this works right. out great because I had been thinking about doing some coverage for this show in one form or another on the podcast for a long time. So this worked out great. I'm happy to be convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound kind of terrible. <laughs> so. No, 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 no. I wanted to do the show. I just thought that would be a really good joke. Yeah, there you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> You'll hear a lot of those. <laughs> Both yeah. of those. I'm very sarcastic, and then sometimes I don't know I'm telling a joke, which really helps the joke. <laughs> Sounds like me and Jimmy every day. <laughs> Jimmy doesn't know how to tell jokes. Just, oh! You know what? Listen, we'll, we're going to have a comedy battle. Uh, oh, oh, who can see who can roast the, the other one the best? Yeah, I would pay. And it has to all be Godzilla puns. Oh, I would pay to see this. I, <laughs> I will refund you a month of, of your Patreon pledge to see this. <laughs> you know what? Meet me outside, and we'll talk about it. Oh, first we got to get through the episode. So before yeah. we get into it, obviously this is a sequel to the 1998 film, the infamous 1998 film. Interestingly, Zilla Jr. is on the island. He had to get moved here, and it took a little bit of effort to get him here <laughs> because the board didn't think he would be all that popular of an attraction because of the infamy surrounding that movie. So I you wanted know, to begin our discussion by asking, how do you feel about the movie? Very briefly, before we get into the show. All right. So as a child, of course, anything Godzilla was good. As an adult, everything Godzilla is good, but there's an asterisk in front of it. <laughs> so this movie is bad, also good. <laughs> it's it's. So there's some parts of this movie that I really enjoy, but most of it is because they're so bad. <laughs> so it's an ironic love. 
<laughs> it's an ironic love. Like it, when I was a child, I was like, hmm, you know what? This movie's cool. Godzilla's faster. He's better. You know, he dodges all the bullets. And then I realized that's not the point. <laughs> that he's not supposed to do that. <laughs> As a child, I thought that was awesome. You know, being an infant, you think everything is cool <laughs> until you grow up and then you have opinions. <laughs> and then you start learning the opinions of others and it might sound yeah, and, everything. Yeah, and then they shape your opinion. So I do not entirely hate this film. It has bad intentions, but those bad intentions made an okay movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, uh, much like you, I was never part of the vitriolic hate that this movie gets. I get all the fanboy complaints about it. That seems where most of the vitriol comes, and I get it. For me personally, I have more issues that are not fanboy related with it. To summarize, I think Godzilla 98 is everything that was wrong with bad 90s blockbusters. Because <laughs> that's really, it's a bad 90s blockbuster. And the only reason people are still talking about it is that dang title. If this had been called Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, because it really has more in common with that than Godzilla, it would have been quickly forgotten and become this relic of the 90s. But because it's called Godzilla, people keep talking about it. What movies came out in 1998? This would help me open my mind. <laughs> Armageddon? Okay, yeah. Dante's yeah. Peak. Uh, not Dante's Peak. That was 97, if I remember correctly. The, what was the uh, Deep Impact? That was the other big meteor movie that year. Mercury's Rising also came out. That one mm -hmm. definitely is one that I could see. The 90s were not good for blockbusters. Especially the second half of the 90s, I feel like. The first half of the yeah. 90s had some great blockbusters. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. But second half of the 90s, not quite as much. No. As I can see with our, our trusty little like computer thing you got going on so oh, I can yeah. research my own stuff. Yes, yes. It ha you would be surprised how much live research actually happens, at least by my guess. <laughs> I overprepare yeah. before the show. But all of that to say, so he had the movie. The movie was what it was, but they had this animated series in the works basically at the same time as the movie. And it was actually made... I don't know if you remember this. It was actually made by the same studio that did most notably, or well, one of their more uh, more notable things that they did, but did the Men in Black animated series. Yeah, you know, Sony, Sony. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and the, actually the company was called Adelaide Productions. And if you've seen the Men in Black animated series, you'll see a lot of similarities in the character designs. But they also did stuff like they did the Jumanji animated series, Extreme Ghostbusters. So we're saying anything Sony owned, Sony was like, take it with what you will. Uh, they This was one of several animation studios that they used. Okay, to do this yeah, because in my head, I think animation works is like you give it to one thing and then you just let it happen. That's how it works in my head, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. But they did a lot of different stuff. I'm looking at their list right now. They did a lot of stuff. Jackie Chan Adventures. I love Jackie Chan. Yeah. Big Guy and Rusty? I don't know what that is. Oh, it was a comic book show that's about, about uh, a guy in a mech suit and a little boy, Astro Boy-style robot. Oh. It, it aired on Fox. It was actually pretty interesting. It's based on a Dark Horse comic. That is some very interesting artwork I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So there's a very interesting pedigree to this, and they had some very talented writers. I was actually looking up some of the writers on some of the episodes, not the ones that we're talking about today, but some other ones, like they had Len Wein, who's a comic book writer, 
so there's a lot of great talent working on this. And to give a little bit of a prelude before we dive into the episodes, they also had several of the cast members from the 98 movie that are actually playing their characters. Some of them were only in the movie for five minutes, if that. And now they're main cast members on this show. Yeah, like, who was it? Uh, Malcolm Denaire as Craven. Yeah. Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn, who's um, Colonel Hicks. No, he's Major Hicks. Excuse me. He's Colonel in the movie, Major in the show. Yeah, I call him Transformers Dad. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) And and, And that's literally when I hear that voice, I will turn around to somebody and go, that's Transformers Dad. And they won't get the joke until. Well, you want to you want another Transformers connection? Frank Welker did some of the voice effects for Godzilla in both the movie and the show. And Frank Welker was the original voice of Megatron back in the 80s. Oh, that's kind of. So he did some voice work for the Godzilla in the show. Yeah. And in the movie. He didn't do the uh, the classic roar, but he did some of the grunts and things like that. You're making me like 98 more. Let's not do that. <laughs> and just to add to the irony, we were talking a little bit about Kong 76 before we went on the air. Peter Cullen, who did the voice of Optimus Prime, did some of the animal noises for Kong in that movie. So Frank Welker, Megatron, Godzilla, Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime, King Kong. <laughs> so so if we just watch Transformers, we already have Godzilla versus Kong. We yes. didn't need the new one. Yes. We didn't need the new one, guys. <laughs> uh, that might get you stoned by the other tourists once you leave the studio. But <laughs> well, that we didn't need the new one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. Oh. <laughs> I like the new one. Yeah. But anyway, but then we also had Charity James, who did Elsie. She was also in the movie. But then, if you look at some of the other characters that we had in here, we also had some great actors. We had Ian Ziering as Nick Totopoulos, not Matthew Broderick, who was definitely phoning in that performance. And Ian Ziering at the time was popular because he was on Beverly Hills 90210. He's famous now for being in Sharknado. (laughs) Wait, wait, is he in Sharknado? He's in all of them, I think. No, I love this show more now. (laughs) I know who... I can now place the name to like, cause his voice sounded familiar after like, after what not watching the show for a long time and then coming back and then watching all the Sharknado movies. I love the show so much. Now. <laughs> I can tell. And then one, someone who went on to become even more famous is Tom Kenny, who is the voice of Nigel, the robot. He's SpongeBob. Um, I was going to do a Spongebob impression and then I decided <laughs> that I won't because I don't want to like Jimmy to offend me. No, you mean to offend Jimmy? <laughs> no, 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 no. Make fun of me. I, oh, me. okay. I get it. I get yeah, it. Cause, Cause it's not good, nor does anybody ever want to hear a Spongebob impression from me. <laughs> oh, it's because everyone has one and they've tried. So, well, the Southern accent and Spongebob <laughs> just does not go together. No, it doesn't. And then we, uh, oh. and then, uh, Animal, the cameraman who hangs out with Audrey, who is such a better character in this sh- in this show than she ever was in the movie, uh, is yeah, voiced by does stuff. yeah is voiced by Joe Pantoliano, who you would know as Cipher from The Matrix. <laughs> really? Yep, the guy you who betrays them to the machines. Oh yeah, you know what? The voice and the face is now a part one. Wow, there is actually a lot of '90s connections coming through here. <laughs> yes. so there's quite the pedigree to this it's a grossly underestimated show and as we'll show you when we discuss these three episodes you'll see 
just how underestimated I think it was. I will say one of the reasons that despite how good it is, the fact that it got buried was because it ended up being a victim of the Pokemon and Digimon Wars because they kept changing its time slot because the WB, later the CW, had Pokemon, and that was the hottest thing at that time for kids. And then in response, Fox, which is where this show aired, they had Digimon to compete with that. And that competition ended up, despite the fact that this show was popular, it ended up being a victim of that because they kept changing time slots. And some of the episodes actually didn't air. There were a couple, this was a 40 episode show and several episodes didn't air. You weren't able to see them until the show actually got put exclusively onto Netflix for several years. That was the only way you could actually see them. And then Mill Creek did us all a favor and put it out on DVD. Thanks, Mill Creek. Yes, I do have to say, though, I wish it would have just been on one Blu-ray. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, media nerd wishes everything was just on Blu-rays. So, yeah, Hashtag physical media forever. Yeah. You know, now that we're talking, you know, the, the Pokemon, which one's your favorite? Which one's Jimmy's favorite? That's the real <laughs> question here. Because if, if I... Of course you liked Digimon. <sighs> Weirdo. You liked them because they were all technology-based. I get it. It's just because it was the unpopular opinion. Ooh, are you calling Jimmy a hipster? Yes. Oh, oh, shots fired, shots fired. Calm down, Jimmy. I see that finger going for that button. <laughs> it's just, just no, no, no. What happens when he hits the button? He talks to us. Although he still needs oh. to get his mic fixed. He sounds like the probe droid from Star Wars. And I'm just like, dude, you got to fix that mic, all right? <laughs> Some people are a little confused. When I thought it, I thought I was about to get kicked out of the studio. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, he would have to go through me to do that. <laughs> All right, because I thought he had a button just like hardwired to the seat I'm sitting in. And I was about to go right into a pen of like some kaiju and I would never be seen again. Oh, no, we don't do that. What? what? Who do you think we are? Monsters? Just come on. <laughs> we have Listen. the monster island has an infinitely better track record than our competition jurassic park okay we have a reputation to maintain all right i apologize jimmy i am sorry that i thought you were gonna throw me out yeah however we have discovered that there are emergency evacuation systems in every building on the island they can be activated by pulling a certain lever and i have had to make sure that no one ever comes close to that can you please point me to that lever it's thankfully not here. It's over in the control room where Jimmy is. All right, is. yeah, so so Jimmy has control of it. That's real safe. Yeah, I, I admit that is mildly terrifying. <laughs> Calm down, Jimmy. All right, so with some of that preliminary stuff out of the way, I'll give us all a little plot synopsis on the first episode, which is titled New Family Part 1. Hours after Godzilla is killed, Dr. Nyctotopoulos discovers the creature's last surviving egg at Madison Square Garden, which hatches and imprints on him as his father. Nick assembles a team of scientists to study the quickly growing Godzilla Jr., all while keeping him secret from his nosy reporter girlfriend and the military. Meanwhile, swimmers are mysteriously vanishing off the shores of Jamaica. So... We watched this together today here in my screening room, which was interesting. I normally only show movies in the screening room, but today we got to watch some TV. So how long had it been since you had seen these particular episodes? Let's see. When did Godzilla 2014 come out? 2014. You, I was going to say, I'm you kidding. answered your own joke. question. 
is a joke. I'm sorry. I'm really bad with jokes, but it, it had been since I got the DVD set. And I think I had jumped back and forth between episodes on the set. Mm-hmm. And this is really why my mind is so jumbled when I try to talk about the show, because when I think we're talking about one thing, we're actually talking about another. Oh, trust me, you're not the only one that that's happened to. I actually have to issue a little bit of a retraction since you're bringing this up. I had joked in some past episodes leading up to this that Zilla Jr. had a thing with Nessie. That is not accurate. That was another monster, but it also involved a mother and her child. So that's probably why I got them mixed up. You know, I think I did too, because when I watched this episode, well, not the, the, the one before, totally different, but it had been since about 2014 since I watched this. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one of the first things that I noticed about this and that I absolutely love about this show is how close it sticks to the movie continuity, which is actually really interesting. There are constant references to the movie. Now, there are some things that are different. Like, the first scene of the first episode is basically recreating the end of the movie, but it's a little bit different, obviously. It's like it's like they started it right as the movie was about to be wrapped, and they hadn't watched it all, but they had a script. Yeah, they had a script, maybe some animatics, some storyboards. So they had a general idea of what was happening, but it doesn't exactly replicate it, because the movie came out in May of that year, and the show started that fall. Yeah, so they didn't have a lot of time. They just threw it together. We were like... All right, we got to make it as close as we can. Mm-hmm. Let's go for it. Yeah. And they do. I say, like, watching this show makes me appreciate the other movie more because it gave me this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if Godzilla 98 led to this, I think we could be a little bit more okay with it. <laughs> and they gave me the sneezing Dr. Craven that I always want. Yes. Well, wish you do. There's a little bit of that actually in the movie. But they, yeah, they, make, they bring it to the forefront in the show, which is they, great. They make him a character which I enjoyed. And, and I like how they brought back the sneezing, the best, that's an awful joke, but they make it funny here. Yes, they do. <laughs> and speaking of the characters, one of the best things to happen with this show is Nick's characterization is different and I think better. <laughs> I joked before that Matthew Broderick was phoning in that performance. Here with Ian Ziering, this version, which I'm friends with Nick Totopoulos, He's here on the island with heat. Whenever there's reports of new kaiju showing up somewhere in the world, they go off there to investigate. And if they think it's something that would be good for the island, then the appropriate resources are sent to go capture the monster. And let me tell you, Nick Totopoulos has gotten a little bit tired of people saying that he looks like Matthew Broderick because he says the cartoon series is much closer to how he actually is. (laughs) But in the cartoon series, he's more of a man of action. And he's a stronger character. He's more assertive, I would say. He reminds me of a a much more stern Bruce Willis, just not bald. Interesting. Not a lot of quips. It's Bruce Willis now. He's stern. He doesn't look like he's having a lot of fun. And he wants to go home. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And the characterization for all of these characters is incredibly strong. And I think that's partly because since this is a half an hour Saturday morning cartoon show, the scripts have to be very lean and they have to do a lot with a little. So they cram as much character and wit. The dialogue is so witty. I love it. (laughs) The banter is just great. There's some wonderful one-liners in this show. And basically, scene one, they establish some of the characterization for, say, Nick Totopoulos. 
He's very fond of repeating the same word three times. It's usually something like, go, 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 (laughs) or run, 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 or something like that. (laughs) I have a theory about that. Oh, really? What's your theory? In the movie, he had to repeat himself every time somebody said his name wrong. Oh, that is a joke I'm so glad they dropped because that was a lame joke and it kept coming up. It was so stupid. Like, we get it. Teutopolis is Greek. Nobody knows how to say it, but it's not that hard. Well, see, now that I think he thinks he's saying his name wrong, so he thinks he's just saying everything wrong. So he repeats things six times. (laughs) That's great. You know what? You made me think because that's what I thought about on, you know, just watching is like he says the same thing a lot. Yeah, it's same words. And he says it the exact same way. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's great. It's great. And then, you know, another thing that's uh, that's amazing about this cast when we're being introduced to all of them is it's a really diverse cast. Yeah. So we have Nick and we have Craven. We got Elsie. And then Randy. Um, we have Randy, which actually Don't. we forgot to bring this up. Randy is actually how you got to the island today. You want to tell that story really quick before we start talking about all right. him? All right. So me and Randy, he picked me up. You know, I had to fly to Los Angeles, picked me up there. I started talking about how much I love my PlayStation five <laughs> and oh my gosh, if you guys haven't watched the, sh- you know, he loves Sony he loves PlayStation. So I swear we went six different places. He was looking for one. He was online on GameStop all the way there. I don't know how we got there without wrecking into something. He didn't look while he was driving the heat seeker. I was terrified for my life. But finally, we got here. He did not get a PlayStation. I'm the only one that seems to have one. And man, that guy is probably the funniest person I've ever met. Oh, is he just as funny in real life as he is on the show? He's funnier. Oh, because really? He's not censored. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did he have Namigel <laughs> on the boat? <laughs> did no. He, did he get destroyed no. at any point during the journey? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, there was this weird incident where he swerved the boat. Nigel decided that he wanted to go for a swim. Oh, we no. We never saw him again. Oh, no. They, we, we need to make sure we send somebody out there to get him. Yeah, you yeah. do that, Jimmy. When you we're done broadcasting today, you go find that dang robot. Because if we well, don't, I think... I kind of thought that... Oops, sorry. No, it's just to say, because if we don't, I think poor Dr. Craven is going to fall into a deep depression and not come out. <laughs> well, you know, I thought picking up trash would be the perfect job for Jimmy. Uh, oh! Oh, the rage, the salt. Oh, come Listen. <laughs> Listen, I'm from the 21st century. The only thing I know how to do is have comebacks. Oh, I can't clap make backs. really good jokes, but I can oh, do that. Oh, clapbacks. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so all those shenanigans. So we get introduced to Randy. He's the hacker on the team. He's young. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's impulsive. He's he's he loves pop he's good culture. with the ladies. Oh, 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 he thinks he is. <laughs> Let's be yeah, honest. I didn't know. Well, we're gonna we'll talk that about that a little either. bit more with the next episode. But he tries. He tries. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful cast, and then it, we we're not introduced actually to the full cast until the next episode. But spoiler warning: we meet a French lady who comes along to round out the team. And like I said, we'll talk more about her. In a little bit. And then we also have Hicks returning from the movie, which is pretty cool. Although his rank is different. He's a colonel in the movie and a major on the show. So he got demoted, I I guess. Is that demoted? Yeah. Colonel's higher than major. Okay. All right. 
I didn't take JRTC. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So one of the running gags that also gets established in this is because Craven and Randy do not get along. There's some very cool character dynamics in this because the characters don't always get along. And Craven and Randy in particular do not get along because their personalities are polar opposite. And Randy, uh, Randy loves to reprogram Nigel and make him do pop culture references <laughs> all the time. Drives Craven nuts. And then the other joke in this is Nigel is basically Kenny from South Park and gets destroyed every episode, which is why I asked you if Nigel survived. <laughs> yeah. No, every time I, every time literally, you know, I've seen Nigel on TV and in person, he dies. Yes. <laughs> he has many, many and not lives. even in a fun way. He just either gets tail whip stepped on or off the boat. <laughs> yep that's what happens when you're dealing with kaiju man but <sighs> i have to thing. say randy does make him say some really good funny things mm -hmm. i really enjoy randy's version of what he thinks elvis would be like if he was a robot <laughs> that was pretty good hey thank you very much <laughs> yeah and then it does and you know it's spongebob so now that i look at him it's his first yellow character tom <laughs> kenny who the first time he's ever he got his practice uh-huh uh, have you seen godzilla singular point i watched it at a friend's house and we really didn't watch it too much so i haven't got to see well, it. i asked because there's a very clear reference to nigel in there because there's a robot that looks suspiciously like nigel in it i will be right back no i'm kidding but <laughs> i need to see that i will i will, I will I make sure in, to watch Godzilla singular the, point i'm really yeah. I think it's in the second or third episode, somewhere around there. It's relatively early. All right. Sweet. Yes. We get the Godzilla series references now. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Uh, so, some, what are some other cool things? What are some other things you uh, you want to bring up about this episode? Because I've got a fair amount uh, of notes myself, so, but what, do you, uh, what are some things you, what are your talking points? Trying to hold back. They pushed a lot in in this first little episode. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick is a really big ladies man. <laughs> at least everyone thinks he is <laughs> he has a very well, jealous girlfriend <laughs> he has a very jealous girlfriend and then a girl that just throws herself at him and then he's just like no we needed to save godzilla <laughs> no thank you <laughs> also i have a girlfriend she's very nosy and a bit pushy but i have a girl yeah. well, no there's a whole thing about that they're i don't know what they are <laughs> i really don't i really enjoy the like okay so another good talking point the animation in this first two episodes is like awesome it, i say like a lot but it's really it's, cool it's, it is uh, you can totally tell like the budget they, changes from these two episodes to the next one yeah they threw some and money the, at this first episode probably because they needed to make a good first couple of episodes to impress the yeah. executives and then the design of Godzilla changed ever so slightly to the point where I believe this could actually be Godzilla, <laughs> but it's not. It's Zilla Jr. Thanks, Toho, for changing that for me. Now I no. have to make sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get copyrighted. That's not Godzilla. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Toho's a little nuts with those copyrights, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Subway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking yeah. of the animation, did you notice? And it's only in this first episode, and then a little bit in the second when they do the previously on. Did you notice there was, for a hot second, there was blood? Yeah, for like a hot second. You know, that was another thing I was wanting. You, you kind of, you brought me back. When they're first shooting at him, the army, you can see the blood 
right here on his arm. On his shoulder. The, yeah. On his shoulder. And then all of a sudden it cuts and it's gone. I was like, man, they have a really good medic for Godzilla between takes. <laughs> between it, between uh, cuts? It's just like, bam, yeah. it's gone. Bam. <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe he can heal really fast like the quote-unquote real Godzilla. You know? Because yeah, this Godzilla... Re Regenerator G1. Yeah, because... Yes, Regenerator G1. You are a nerd. <laughs> but let's be honest. This Godzilla, this Zilla, Zilla here is yeah. a lot more like Godzilla. He's got more personality. He has atomic fire. He's more durable, but he also still retains some of the abilities of his progenitor. He can dig really fast. It has the Patrick Totopoulos design. So it's this really weird melding of classic Godzilla and what the 98 movie gave us. I kind of see it as them, the like uh, main creators that were like, all right, we got to make a Godzilla, but this Godzilla is not Godzilla. All right, we're going to make it as close to Godzilla as we can without taking. They tried to make up for it. Uh huh. That's what I'm trying to say. They were trying to make up for it yeah. as fast as they could. Yes. And they're like, we can give him green atomic breath, but we also have to let him bleed a little because we have to make it as close as we can to the movie. Mm hmm. I feel like the show was kind of. It was bogged down by the movie. To a not, certain not, extent, but I think they worked really well with what they were given. They kind of took some of the things that worked and then threw out the rest and then dumped a lot of Toho into it. <laughs> yeah. They go, hmm, what does Godzilla need? More Toho. Yes, more Toho. Yeah. <laughs> it's like ketchup on a sandwich. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or anything, ketchup. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, some other things that I put on here, and maybe you can help me with this. Okay. Uh, did Randy tell you what the heck flush means? Like, he says flush one time in this uh, in the first episode as if he's saying cool, and I'm like, what? Flush? Oh, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't either. But I laughed really hard when he said it because... It was so stupid. I don't get it. Please, listeners, send feedback. Feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Tell me what this means. I must know because I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. And then another reference that they threw in there, I got it, but it's really dated when they make okay. pop culture references because yeah. Audrey complains in the first episode when she finds out that Nick has Zilla Jr. there and he had been trying to hide it from her. And he says, who were you saving it for? Connie Chung? Yeah, almost nobody knows who Connie Chung is anymore. <laughs> Connie She's Chung. She's like a new, she was a news reporter. She right? was I a popular, yeah, she was a popular news anchor at the time, but nobody knows who she I is mean, anymore. <laughs> I was not alive, but I, I, you know, she's a news anchor. He's hiding a story. That I feel like that one can be figured out, but yeah. Oh, you I can figure it, it out through the context, but actually knowing who specifically she is, almost nobody What makes does. it funny. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I love the fact that they pay off the surviving egg from the end of the movie. I think that's just really yeah. cool, because that was obvious sequel baiting, and they took it, and they did something with it. Now, there was going to be a sequel to the movie, never got made. If you want to hear about yeah. it, listen to the two-part Godzilla Unmade episode i did with chris cook from one cross radio where we talked about that a little bit and there's also a great kaiju Masterclass video from last fall where they interviewed the screenwriter and he talked about making that and the weird thing is a lot of stuff that was in his script i think must have inspired the show because there's a lot of that sequel script in the show they even have like the kind of i wouldn't say it was like 
it was the monster, right? Kind of. The monster in his script would have been basically a giant bee, and there's an episode with giant bees. Yeah, so that's what was coming to my mind. Mm-hmm. Just, I can't say what the name of the bee was. No, been. no, because we're a family show. Yeah, we're a family show, but <laughs> if you go look it up, it's uh, really 90s. Yes, it's a queen bee, basically. Yeah, it's a, it's and a you know what's kind of freaky, and I didn't realize this until I had actually started watching a little bit more of it, but this is basically, quote-unquote, modern 90s take on the Hanna-Barbera show. The Hanna-Barbera show has a strikingly similar setup and concept as this show. Yeah. Same sort of thing. A team of people. Yeah, yeah, they can call Godzilla. A team of people who are on a boat, traveling the world, investigating monster sightings. They get in over their head, and then they call Godzilla for help. Hey, man, if you're going to take a formula, take a classic, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of opens my mind a little bit. What's the other show? There was a Kong animated series. There was. It was a couple years after this. I never actually watched it, but it was was trying to ride the Godzilla the series wave. Well, he controls. I think what it is is he controls Kong with his mind. Actually, it's more like they it's like he's a henshin hero with King Kong. He morphs into Kong. Because they combine. Uh, it's like Ultraman almost. You know what? You made it dumber than it was in my head. <laughs> well, I I just know the basic concept. I've never actually watched it. At some point, I probably should. <laughs> and because I hear it's a little bit crazy. And then the spinoff movies are just insane. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually have one. <laughs> I, it's a musical. Yeah, I know. That's the weirdest part about it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I tried to sit down and watch it and I had to turn it off and try to watch something King Kong that was good. So I watched King Kong Libs. Oh, <laughs> oh you're one of the other three people in the multiverse that likes that movie. I love that movie, but I also know it's bad. So I was like, let's see. I don't want to like taint myself with good Kong because I feel like if I watch it with the eyes, I watch the musical, it'll somehow make the Kong I like worse. So I was like, let's just watch one that's already kind of (laughs) bad. Well, on that note, let's move in to the next episode. So our plot synopsis for New Family Part 2 is... With Godzilla believed to be dead, Elsie and Craven travel to Jamaica to investigate the disappearing swimmers. Meanwhile, HQ is infiltrated by Monique, a French Secret Service agent sent by Philippe Roche. They join Elsie and Craven and discover a new mutation is wreaking havoc in Jamaica, and Godzilla Jr. returns just in time to save them. So we're introduced to the final member of our colorful cast of characters here. Monique. And they went with Monique because, for what I was reading in an interview with the story editors, they did actually originally want to have Philippe Roche, but they couldn't get Sean Renault. He was unavailable. Which is funny because Philippe Roche does actually, he makes a non-speaking cameo in the first episode, and then he the character actually does come back in a later episode of the show. Not voiced by Sean Renault, I don't think, but if I'm wrong, Jimmy, you can correct me. 
he was an international like superstar at the time. I doubt they could afford it. Probably. So they instead replaced Roche with Monique. And I think that was a better idea anyway. So that way we have two women on the team. Mm -hmm. And it also subverts expectations a little bit because a lot of times when you have teams like this, each of the team members brings something that fill up a particular archetypal role in these things. And there's usually in a team like this, you have the muscle. So say the Ninja Turtles, that would be Raphael. In the Fantastic Four, it's the thing. In this show, the muscle is a woman. So like I said, it's up for its expectations a little bit because she's a super spy. So she has a very particular set of skills. (laughs) As Liam Neeson would tell us. (laughs) So she comes in handy with she has a lot of connections. She has some technical know-how. If some fighting needs to be done, she's usually the one to do it. (laughs) Well, I'd have to say that her best attribute is the fact that she can, like, totally just block out Randy. (laughs) Yes, she can. Randy, as we were hinting at that, Randy tries so hard to hit on her, and she is having none of it. (laughs) No. He tries so hard. I think she's the only person that can make fun of Randy and it be funny. Because other than that, Randy's like the ultimate, like, cool guy. (laughs) When you put Randy up to her, you know, no. (laughs) That's just... Oh, man. It's it's funny to watch them, you know, back and forth. I got a little taste of that when we got here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she can actually, out of everybody in the show, she is the most effective at kind of putting him in his place. <laughs> yeah. And you, you don't mess with Monique. You really don't. No. <laughs> but she this flipped him when we got here. <laughs> Yes. And she also introduces some things to the team. She brings in the Heat Seeker. Now, it's not until I think the episode after this that they actually pick the name Heat, which is Humanitarian Environmental Analysis Team. And that's and the boat that they use is called the Heat Seeker. And the joke initially is that it's a rust bucket with a cartoony shark face painted on the front. When I was little, I called it Jaws. Oh, of course. Did the Jaws theme play in your head? When you, yeah, when re- listen, when I watched it now, it brought back, because me- I haven't thought about that in forever, and it brought back memory of it going, so we had Godzilla, Jaws, and this monster all in one movie. Yes. All in one show. Yes. I can live with that. Yes. Which but the-, the joke is that it's, it looks like it's a rust bucket, and it's covered in rust. Dang thing still is covered in rust. But we find out that apparently this is a Fast and the Furious boat because it has a NOS mode. <laughs> they hit a button, and it's like... Warp speed, Scotty. It's also got a family button. (laughs) Which I found really interesting. I wanted to press it, but he wouldn't let me. (laughs) Probably a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) So it's got all these cool features. That's how they travel around. And she's got access to resources that they can use, which comes in handy because there are jokes in the first episode about how their HQ is not that good. (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, what? Did, how did Craven put it? Like the uh, the it, Grand Fairy has it been nice? <laughs> One of them was uh, uh, when he first got into their place. Was like I thought this place was condemned. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the writing of this is surprisingly smart because this show doesn't shy away from throwing in some techno babble to explain things. It is not pandering to the child audience at all. And I love it because it doesn't. It does not care. It's it's all. smart. 
it is yeah. really smart. So even adults, you know, the parents who would be watching this with their kids, they can still get some enjoyment out of it. I wish more cartoons were made that way, that they're smart kid shows that adults can genuinely enjoy because it doesn't talk down to them. I love it. But so like, for example, in this one, you have Animal complaining about his First Amendment rights. I don't oh, know yeah. how many little kids are going to know what the First Amendment is unless they're just starting to understand what civics are at school. <laughs> there was one joke in this episode where it's a little, we haven't talked about it fully, but the car that they rented, one of the, like the, I don't know why it made me laugh. He goes, next time we're going to put this on your credit card yeah after as it the, gets as wrecked the, as the car gets flipped over by the monster of the week as you will yeah which by the way all the monsters that were made for the show do have names they just weren't always able to find ways to sneak the name into the dialogue so this one is crustaceous rex yeah Let's talk about that a little bit. The monster designs in this show are kind of nuts. They were supervised, or if not completely designed, by Patrick Totopoulos, who did Zilla in the movie. This one looks like a shellfish, like a crab, but with big club legs and four tentacles that just dangle down from its chest. And then a four-pronged mouth that it just opens up. So it's like a, like a predator mouth, almost. Or like a giant squid mouth. It's ridiculous, dude. <laughs> it's, it is so ridiculous, and I love it. It's one it's of the beauties a... of animation. They could do wild things like this that at that time, if you tried to do it practically, it would have been difficult. You might have been able to do it with CGI, but as we saw in Godzilla 98, CGI hadn't quite reached that level yet. <laughs> the back of it is of like a bug. Yeah, like a shellfish, a crab. Of some guy. Yeah. It's got like a stinger. Mm-hmm. Which it doesn't really use. Yeah, I know. That, it, I thought that was really... The fight, to me, wasn't really that great. <laughs> it was... I mean, as a first monster fight in the show, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, my favorite part is, you know, when the, Godzilla comes out and he digs. That's like the smartest thing I've ever seen is just to dig it out from... A, like, he mm -hmm. digs the, the battle ends up at the top of a, like a, like a, cliff, a cliff, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Godzilla just digs up into it and just everything just falls. It's like, it was actually kind of Toho-like to me. Yes, it was very Toho. Was they, very... There is so much Showa Toho in this. Yeah. It wants to kind of have the quote-unquote realism of the 98 movie, but it's injecting so much of the fantastical Showa series elements in it. It leans hard into those, and I love it. As a first monster, though, this is probably not one of like my favorites on the show. No, I think you don't necessarily want to have the coolest thing in your show right at the beginning. You kind of want to save it a little bit, but this is a good, solid beginning, I would say. Yeah. And obviously, they animated this one first because Crustaceous Rex does appear in the opening credits. We didn't talk about the opening credits and the theme song to this because oh. basically 99% of the monsters that are in the opening credits are only in the opening credits. Crustaceous Rex is one of the exceptions, probably because they animated that first. So then they just took those cells and put it into the credits. But yeah. the theme song in this, we'll talk about it briefly. Almost all the animation in it is original animation. It's not a best of kind of clip show, which is what was really common with a lot of television shows at the time. So it kind of showed you highlights of actual episodes. So you had an idea what to expect. This was, like I said, almost all original animation. The theme song does not have lyrics, but it has this really eerie, but really bombastic sound 
to it that I do think very thoroughly communicates the sort of show that you're getting into. It gets you pumped up Mm -hmm. for just kaiju weirdness, awesome pop culture references, and just a good time. Yes, indeed. You know, watching this when I was little, there is one thing I remember about the show was the opening sequence. Oh, yeah. It's good. And it stays with you forever. Mm-hmm. If you watch it once, you'll see it in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the first time I ever looked because I saw this later, mm-hmm. a little bit after I realized Godzilla 98 was not what I always thought it was in my head. Mm-hmm. And then that's the first time I ever looked at Zilla and I went, he looks cool. Yes. He just I mean, he still doesn't exactly look like what I think Godzilla should be, mm-hmm. but he's pretty daggum close to what like the spirit. Mm-hmm. I feel like they lost the spirit of what Godzilla is in 98. They did. It got thrown back in in this one. And I have to say good job and thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just don't tell anybody who worked on the show that Toho killed their monster in Final Wars. I <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about Okay, yeah. Now, you know what? Since you brought that up, do you think it's this one? No. I'm pretty sure that was another egg that survived because that one was a heck of a lot meaner. That one actually ate people. So I don't mind that that one got nuked in 10 seconds by the real Godzilla. (laughs) If you take out the context of Godzilla Final Wars, that's probably the one of the funniest, like, meta weird references in cinema oh yeah it was great <laughs> yeah on the nose hardcore the music in the back background just blazing <laughs> such a weird but appropriate yes to say that very much so but anyway we're talking about the show <laughs> yeah. so Sorry, i like tangent. the i like that they bring in the giant squids they're a good misdirect a good red herring in this because you think it maybe it was just the giant squids no the giant squids are just heralding something bigger and nastier and worse i've seen this show before and i forgot that there was another monster and i thought it was the giant squids from the like the the first episode to the second until the Mm -hmm. very end when he pops up Mm -hmm. and the we didn't bring this up but the first episode actually had a really nice cliffhanger because you really thought godzilla was dead at the end of it and then he comes rushing in like the hero at the end there and that's the other thing that's cool about this as weird as it is the title character is ancillary to the show a lot of times it's more about the actual characters but when godzilla shows up say at the end when he needs to save nick and everybody else from the monster of the week it's special you pay attention because they don't overuse him and when he shows up it's exciting he has like a a bombastic like reveal it kind of it does remind me of like a show opening like later like in Mm -hmm. the 70s Mm -hmm. like it's an event oh yeah yeah like it kind of brings back one of them was like terror of mechagodzilla oh best entrance ever for the just, big G. Just the, just the lights, you know, lightning, flash, Godzilla. Yeah, it's the great. silhouette. Yeah, I call that Godzilla's I'm Batman moment. <laughs> yeah. Because he's basically just a, like a just a one big fighting machine towards the end of those movies. And yeah. It's fantastic. But you know what's interesting? The action in this show is always really exciting. And the thing that makes that even more interesting is that there were points where there was a lot of censorship going on with children's entertainment at the time. And the funny thing is, is that the creators on the show actually did run into that a little bit. I read about this in actually in a a vintage interview because I found a magazine here on the island that went all the way back to that. And they were told that they couldn't have replicatable violence on the show. Stuff that the kids could mimic after they saw it. And story editor Robert N. Skur said, 
A kid can open his mouth and roar all he wants, but the fire breath is just not going to come out. Clearly, he hasn't met some kids, but (laughs) 99% of the time, there's no fire breath coming. I've met some children. It's not coming out of their mouth, but it is coming out of their ears. Steam, pure anger. <laughs> the no. rage. Kind of like Jimmy right now over in the producer booth. The, the rage. Nah, you nah, keep Jimmy's this up, pretty- man. He's going to start breathing fire. <laughs> nah, Jimmy's pre- Jimmy's all, Jimmy's all right. I, I just giving him a hard time. Oh, because, yeah. We, we, we I've, been listening to, I, I've been listening to the show for so long. He seems like he gives everybody a hard time, but I feel like he likes everyone. Wow, you figured out his secret. <laughs> yeah, he likes everyone. Yeah, to, I've, but I've actually there's, there's said, exceptions. Yeah, I've oh yes, there are definitely exceptions. But <laughs> but you know, it's just like I've actually had to reassure people on the air. It's like Jimmy and I, we rag each other on the air all the time, but it's just to make good radio. We're actually friends in real life. Just to put the rumors to rest. Because there are people who seem to think that all I do is abuse poor Jimmy. That is far from the truth jimmy abuses me more than i <laughs> i would i would i've seen it 100 percent, definitely true <laughs> See, he's not mad at me about this he's smiling he, he gets it he gets it man he gets it all right so unless you've got anything to add to this because we took care of a lot of the initial stuff with part one so i think we can move on to the final episode your favorite episode And that favorite episode of yours, Eli, is Deadlock. Because it's about the Loch Ness Monster, as you're about to hear. Heat travels to Scotland to investigate recent sightings of the fabled Loch Ness Monster, which annoys a disbelieving Nick. However, a Scottish scientist seems to hamper their efforts at every turn. When it's discovered the scientist has captured Nessie's baby, angering her, Godzilla Jr. and the legendary monster fight together to save it. So, if I may ask, why is this one your favorite episode? Alright, so at the time of when we started talking, I was listening to a book called The Lock by Steve Alton. Mm. And before that, this was my favorite episode. But the thought of that really brought back memories of this episode and how much like I really loved the idea of the Loch Ness Monster. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I had an episode of Godzilla and the Loch Ness Monster teaming up to save a kid. That whole idea, just the idea of the episode itself, it makes it my favorite. Oh, it seems no like such what. a natural pairing, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, they, and they make it way more natural than you think it would be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, they do. In fact, here's a funny thing. Maybe you remember this because there was a panel at G-Fest about this a couple years ago. Did you know Toho almost made a kaiju movie about the Loch Ness Monster? Yeah, with Hammer. With Hammer Studios, yeah, from Britain. Yeah. They almost did it. And I kind of wish they had because it sounded like it would have been a really cool movie. (laughs) Yeah, there was a guy going around G-Fest. He made this little art book. And he mm-hmm. was he was selling it to people. I bought one. It's and he got like a bunch of artists to do like their own version of what Nessie might have looked like in a Toho way. Mm-hmm. It was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I think Toho really could have done like a really oh cool yeah thing. they could have. Which is why this is actually kind of fulfilling that finally. So we do get yeah. a kaiju Nessie. And I will say, want to point this out: Nessie is actually not on the island. They decided that Nessie needed to stay in the lock. Because it just seemed wrong to remove Nessie like that from the lock. Also, it would have killed the tourism business for Loch Ness. And they need that business. They need it bad. They need it badly. 
So Nessie was left there. However, since Nessie only appears about once every 20 years or so, I'm pretty sure that the one we saw on the show has since had a child. Yeah. The one we saw as the child in this has had its own child now. Yeah, I'm sure the tourism has also gone up because you oh. know there had to be a sign in at one point. Oh, yeah. A sighting. Oh, yeah. A sighting. They, yeah. they went. Uh, it's gone crazy, man. They're, make, they're swimming yeah. in money over there. I mean, Godzilla's here on the island, and then, you know, <laughs> that tourism thing over there at Nessie, you know, it really makes sense that he's here and that's there. Mm-hmm. Really makes you think one of them's not real. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something I noticed actually watching the credits for this episode, a testament to how good the voice acting is in this, the voice director for the show was Susan Blue. You don't know that name. Here's another Transformers connection for you. She was the voice of RC in Transformers the movie in 1986. And then after she voiced RC in the movie and on the TV show, she became a voice director and a very talented one. In fact, one of the biggest shows that she worked on as voice director, and she even said, I did the first season. I didn't think it was going to last. The first season was only about five episodes. You know what that was? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> really? Yep. Oh, oh, that's awesome. So it's no that, wonder that the voice acting is as good in this as it is. You know what? There's just a lot of talent that just runs through this show. Yes, indeed. So I'll run through my notes here. I love the fact... It's kind of funny. It's a little ironic that Nick Totopoulos who has seen probably a dozen ridiculous monsters at this point and has a giant iguana in his backyard for all intents and purposes. He doesn't think the Loch Ness Monster is real because that's how it starts. It starts with people claiming that they caught the Loch Ness Monster on video. It's like, oh, come on. It can't be real. It's a little weird that someone like him would disbelieve this. It's so out of character. It seems like it, but you can kind of understand at the same time because he thinks, oh, they're just doing this to drum up attention to get tourism, which actually, given that this is a world of monsters, to start saying, hey, we got a monster in our backyard, that'd get people to show up. It actually makes some weird sort of sense. And yeah. given, I guess I did a little research on the Loch Ness Monster, given the fact that, <laughs> that there have been so many hoaxes from people claiming they saw the dang thing, it makes sense. Yeah. But I love the fact that he says, oh, look at it. It's made of rubber. I can't help yeah. but wonder if that's kind of a that tongue-in-cheek a reference to things like tokusatsu. <laughs> you know, it's just made of rubber. You know, speaking of hoaxes, you know, I did a little research myself here. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jimmy, I do research. I can read. Um, <laughs> let me just say that one of my favorite little hoaxes that somebody did was they took, you know, plesiosaur was at the time like the main thing that people thought it would be or like mm-hmm. a brachiosaur or something like that. Not to get off on like a tangent, but like they had hippo feet. Yes. Hippopo- like dried hippopotamus thing. And they were just stomping it on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then they photographed it. And that's how they got. That was one of like the big main evidences for a while. Evidences is not a word. <laughs> <laughs> one of the main like things that they would turn to and say, it's real. Look. Mm-hmm. And I found a really cool idea like that brought Nessie back to like something kaiju related is that the idea of nessie really never became like a big thing until after people saw king kong Mm -hmm. it was actually around the same time since we're on this tangent i'll just finish the tangent yeah Yeah. (laughs) actually sightings of nessie go back about 1500 years yeah Mm -hmm. and also another reason why it was so easy for people to claim that they saw it but they never see it is because loch ness is the largest body of fresh water on great britain it's 800 feet deep and it's 23 miles long. And as they show on the TV series, it's really murky. You can't really see yeah. anything. 
But this is kind of funny. The first reference to the Loch Ness Monster actually comes from the 7th century biography of St. Columba, who was an Irish missionary who introduced Christianity to Scotland. According to this story, in 565 AD, he stopped by Loch Ness while traveling to meet the king of the northern Picts and went to confront the beast because it had been killing people at the lake. The monster attacked a man, and then he invoked the name of God and told it, go back with all speed, and it did. <laughs> and it's just been stuck there ever since. Apparently. So it's all because yeah. of, of St. Columba, man. And then in 1933, a yeah. road was completed at Loch Ness's shore so drivers could get access to it and get a clear view. And then on May 2nd, 1933, which, now did you bring it up, that was only two months after King Kong came out, the Inverness Courier reported that a local couple claimed to have seen a enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. That's when it all started. Created a media sensation, and so journalists went there to investigate, and then a circus actually offered 20,000 pounds for the monster's capture, and one couple claimed that they actually saw the thing walking on land. Yeah. Which we see in the show, so I guess they were right. <laughs> The episode kind of makes hint to the fact of how like really important the legend of the Loch Ness monster mm -hmm. is to the town mm -hmm. of Inverness mm -hmm. or whatever. No, it's uh, it's just Loch Ness. Inverness. Loch Ness. Inverness was the uh, Inverness Courier was the newspaper. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, you can see that I'm not caught up on my Scottish <laughs> lore. Yeah, it's it's, but, it's okay, man. <laughs> but then they, uh, uh, the Daily Mail hired a big game hunter named Marmaduke Weatherall. What a name to capture the monster! After a few days of searching, he he's the one who did the the hippo footprints. And then the Daily Mail had a dramatic headline that said, "Monster of Loch Ness is not legend, but a fact." That's a really great title. Uh-huh. And they then really, there's... They really went for it. Yes, they did. <laughs> and people think journalism is sensational now. Hmm. <laughs> I think it's kind of always been. And then there was a famous 1934 photo of Nessie. That, that's when people started thinking, oh, it's a plesiosaur. And, you know, as we see in the show, it's some version of a plesiosaur. Yeah. <laughs> it was called it's... the surgeon's photo because it was snapped by a British surgeon named Colonel Robert Wilson. And in 1994, they determined it was a fake. <laughs> and yeah, he... it was concocted as a revenge plot against the newspaper for criticizing Wetherill. And they did it using a toy submarine. <laughs> and they made it out of wood and like wood putty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So funny. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the people who cite are like, oh man, you know what? They said that my story has to be bigger. Mm -hmm. You know what? I saw his footprints. Well, I saw it. Yes. I saw its head. Nah. I saw it. I saw, I saw its, its face. Head. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, been a lot of theories that have circulated about what it was. Some people thought it was an archosite, which is a primitive whale with a serpentine neck, but those have been extinct for 18 million years. Some people, oh, some God. skeptics said that it, they were, I think it's sieches, S-E-I-C-H-E-S, which are oscillations in the water surface caused by the inflow of cold water, a cold river water into the slightly warmer lock. And then people have been trying to find it using sonar and all kinds of things in the decades since then. In 1975, Boston's Academy of Applied Sciences used sonar and underwater photography. The photo that resulted after some enhancement appeared to show a giant flipper. 
And then there were more expeditions in the 80s and 90s doing the same thing, but nothing was conclusive. And so far, there were a thousand reported sightings since 1933. Oh, my God. And then a guy named Gary Campbell, who's the keeper of the Register of Nessie Sightings, says he gets an average of, of about 10 a year. But he says 400,000 people come to visit, so it's really not all that common. You know what some of the other explanations they've offered for the Loch Ness Monster? It's actually kind of funny. Swimming elephants. Huh? Swimming elephants, because there have been circuses that have come through the area, and they would have to march the elephants through the water. So they thought the trunks oh. sticking out of the water. That would Yeah, because, you know, plesiosaur, long neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then also some people just thought, eh, it's just fallen tree branches. But you know what one of the newer theories were? European eels, because researchers from the University of Otago, which is from New Zealand, they were endeavoring to catalog all the species at Loch Ness, and they found eel DNA in the loch. And they said juvenile eels known as elvers arrive in Scottish rivers and lochs after migrating about 3,100 miles from the Sargasso Sea near the Bahamas, and they go there to spawn and lay eggs. So there you go. Your Loch Ness Monster Facts for the day. It's actually the book I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's how he, uh, the writer actually creates the idea of what the Loch Ness Monster is, is through that idea. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. uses like the underwater currents that leads supposedly to the, the, to the ocean, mm-hmm. or actually does. I can't actually remember if that was true or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, getting back to the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> getting yeah, back to the episode. So... We have a very amusing B-plot in this because there's a guy there who sounds suspiciously like John Reese davies or Sean Connery. <laughs> Wait, oh. Probably Sean Connery because Sean Connery was a Scotsman. <laughs> I was really getting some good Sean Connery vibes from that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was definitely doing his best Sean Connery impersonation. Yeah, he was doing... I was ready for him to, like, pull out a gun and be James Bond. Yeah. You know, just with the beard and everything. Yeah. God rest his soul. But (laughs) but he tells Craven that he's a descendant of Angus McCraven. (laughs) And he gets him to start playing bagpipes and wear a kilt like a Scotsman. And they even kind of make a sort of dirty joke (laughs) about the kilt. (laughs) Because he said, you're not hiding much. (laughs) He did such a good job that I couldn't tell that if he was being serious or not. I don't know. Like, I th- the implication that, that- at the end of the episode seems to be that this kind of got concocted so Craven could get back at Randy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if that's the case, that's hilarious. But I loved Randy's breakdown at the end because he's like, if your name was Schwarzenegger, he would have said it, would, it was the Mac Schwarzeneggers. And now suddenly oh. I want a Scottish Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> a Scottish Arnold Schwarzenegger would be so amazing. <laughs> that would really like change the whole dynamic of what Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Probably. And I was thinking, I was like, I should try doing a Scottish Arnold Schwarzenegger because I could do a pretty good Arnold, but I don't think it would work with a Scottish accent. That's too many layers of impersonation. I think there. me and Jimmy would both like to watch you try to do it. <laughs> oh, I would probably tie my face in a knot trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so we have this very natural pairing. There's actually two monster fights in this. One where Zilla Jr. fights Nessie, 
And then we find out after that that this is basically Gorgo. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, you're right. It it's is Gorgo. Go- it's it? Gorgo. The, this scientist that they were going there to help kidnapped Nessie's baby. And you don't take a mama's baby. That makes mama angry. So much so that she has to get Godzilla to come help. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And she's like, I just want my baby. Give me my baby. (laughs) And and again, how how wonderfully lean these scripts are. Nick just says, huh, what's the going rate for a unique U-born? And the scientist basically says, a lot. So we find out he's he's doing it for money. Very simple. I think the quote is more than you could ever imagine or something like that. basically. He's very snarky about it, which I didn't. like. They do a really good job of hiding it. Yes. I feel like, because, you know, you go back and you watch it, after, like you figure it out after a while. But yeah. for that first, like, five, ten minutes, you're like, hmm, this guy just seems a little bit like a butt. Yes. He's kind of a jerk. He's kind of a jerk. And then he is major jerk. Yes. He's trying to sell a baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to sell a baby. And obviously Nessie's been talking with Gargo. She knows that th- this never goes well. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted. You know, this is really going to sound really bad. I kind of wanted to see who he was going to sell them to. That would have been interesting. My money would have been. Like, my money would have been on Cameron Winter. But I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who's Arnold? He wants to buy Nessie to have Nessie in his next movie. Arnold is uh, going to fight the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> See, I brought but, the joke around. I did <laughs> there you go. But it does bring a really interesting question to mind because they make reference to there being photographs taken in 1975. And they think that what it seems like it's a breeding cycle. So Nessie appears every, once every 20 years, which seems to imply, since there's only one Nessie, seems to imply that Nessie reproduces asexually, which actually would make sense because that's how Zillas work. Yeah. All those juniors definitely not pregnant. They may <laughs> they make that abundantly clear. He not pregnant. <laughs> he can't do it. He uh, he ain't got no babies. <laughs> no, he but can't. apparently he wants to make sure that this baby gets back to mama. Yeah, if he can't have none, that means you can't hurt anybody else. Yeah, uh, don't you be hurting her babies. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. It makes total sense. <laughs> And also, Nessie is one of the few monsters that isn't at least implied to have been killed. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah, and it's one of the only ones, like, I don't know how many more they do, but it's like one that's, like, in history. Mm-hmm. Like, it's oh, not they tap into some show. other ones that it come from, like Quetzalcoatl. The, they had an episode of Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, there's very few, though, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. there's a handful that they actually reference back to other things. Yeah. From I mythology like the design and of Nessie mm-hmm. in the show. I love the like the little like grabbing feet. They do a mm-hmm. really good thing where they're like it's so strong. So what? It's pulling Godzilla into the back into the lock. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I don't know why that fight. It was really really neat for me to watch. Like one of my favorite. Like what is it called? The legend and then the god just. Yes, cool. it is. Yeah, it's like I said. It's such a natural pairing. It's great to see this. And when you say it like that, it sounds like a really good movie. Yeah, it it could have been a movie. I you know it should yeah, have could, been a movie. It really it should, should have been a movie, and then have like the French, you know, just putting radioactive stuff in the lock because you know because apparently the French do that in the Zilla universe. 
Actually, they no. Put- the French are a nuclear power, and they did actually conduct nuclear tests yeah. in the mid-90s. So it was yeah. actually topical at the time. I knew that, but I just find it funny that, that since it happened once, it feels like they're blamed for the rest of it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. That's how it feels to me anyways. It might not be... You know, per se, and I, I, you know, another thing to bring up, I like how the fact that in 98, they, since we're bringing that up, they use American footage, but it's implied that it was all French. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that works out. So I've basically run through my talking points, my notes. What do you got? Not really much. There's a lot that goes on in this, but it's very to the point. There ain't really a lot to talk about it. Just what we've kind of talked about is basically the whole episode. Mm-hmm. I do really find it funny that he just does not believe. Yeah, and then he gets teased at the end of it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, now, you know, but right? even at the, like, my thing was at the, like, the beginning of the series, he's like, there's going to be more. We have to have Godzilla. And then the one time, I, I understand that the Loch Ness Monster, you know, to him has always been fake. But now that some, like, a real scientist has, like, a little bit of footage, he's like, nah, it's not real. Can't yeah. even think about it. It's nope. funny how that not happens. Yeah. It creates some great tension, like I said. And also, it's yeah. very ironic. And let me tell yeah. you, I've talked with Nick, and he said that he regrets that. <laughs> it's uh, like he, he says, I, I should have really... known better. <laughs> think he needs to get up on like like a podium like i know it's been a couple years <laughs> i understand that it's it's in the past but i feel like he needs to just discuss it and mm-hmm. i need to hear his reasoning and i need to hear randy make fun of him <laughs> I, you know what we need you know another thing but we need jimmy randy and nick in a room and they all just kind of talk about it <laughs> and see what jokes just happen <laughs> he's, I, he's all for that <laughs> all right well i'll make sure that I'm here. <laughs> hey, man, if you want to sponsor another episode next season, uh, request a few more Godzilla the series. I'm just saying. All right, I got you. <laughs> All right. Well, we've uh, gone on a little bit longer than I was expecting. So I think now would be a good time to start closing up shop on our first Patreon sponsored episode. So with that, I think now it would be a good time to. Fine. Fine. What does the board have for us today? Oh, it's two things. Great. Two for one today. Eli, I hope you enjoy this. All right. What is I it I always now? enjoy a good two for one. Oh, apparently there was some breaking news that you and I were having too much fun talking about the show that we didn't hear about this. It has come to our attention. This is from the board's Twitter that a certain individual was caught earlier today attempting to gain unauthorized access to sensitive information that would prove detrimental to our island if it was ever placed into the wrong hands. This person disguised himself as one of our wonderful maintenance crew, and with that in mind, we will be on full lockdown throughout the week to sure there are no others aiding and abetting anyone who wishes to harm us or anyone else who works on the island. Does that mean I can leave? On this island. I I think you might be able to leave. It just might be a little bit more difficult. I'll just get on the heat sinker. Randy, help me out. Yeah. Get me there. You're going to have to. Get me where I was going. Yeah, you'll have to. I'll probably have to bribe him. Yeah. Actually, probably won't have to. He could probably hack his way through their security system. (laughs) There you go. Hey, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, They continue. We are urging anyone who sees this symbol placed around any of our facilities to report it immediately by calling or texting 
555-6263. And they uh, posted that on the Twitter. You can't really see that because this is a radio show and a podcast, but it looks like a triangle with an angry eye and beams of light coming out of the angry eye. Be on the lookout for that. It's because of our loyal employees and volunteers we are able to prevent blatant attacks such as this and help ensure a better way forward for us and for everyone. Sign the Monster Island Board of Directors. There's your first one. Where's the other one, Jimmy? Let me see. Oh, well, this one is relevant to our discussion, Eli. We have reviewed the request to legally change Zilla Jr.'s name to Godzilla, and after careful consideration and consulting the Monster Island Legal Action Team, because they got added in this tweet, we, the Monster Island Board of Directors, have decided to grant the request put forth by Dr. Tatopoulos and the Heat Team. This was not an easy decision, but we all agreed that the Titan has earned the name Godzilla after it was so unjustly taken away from his father. We hope that he and the other kaiju can all find a better way forward as they continue to thrive here on Monster Island. Something tells me that Toho is going to have a few things to say about this. Uh, I don't think they'll have but one thing to say about this, okay? I'll lay it flat. No. Basically. One, one big, flat out, No. Yeah, this is going to be tied up in court for years. I'm predicting that right now. I don't think it will. I think it'll be done in like 20 minutes. Now, you think Raymond Martin's that good? No, I think Toho's is that good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm telling I've made this joke already, but I'm telling you, if they can get Subway to do it, they can get anybody to. Basically. I'm actually a little bit more concerned about that first one. I have my suspicions about who that was, and I both respect the guy for doing it, and I'm a little disappointed. Although it also tells me, I'll just throw this out there, our security is way better than a, shall we say, certain cybernetics company that made a giant robot recently. Just putting it out there. No, Jimmy, not your robots. Anyway. Jimmy's robots, here, I'll just, I'll say, Jimmy's robots is pretty cool compared to what, you know, that one. Oh, Mechanicong Mark II and Uber Mogra? I know all about Uber yeah. Mogra. I got to pilot the dang thing once with uh, Matt and Grattan from Giant Monster BS. We tried to hey. settle a fight between Godzilla and Kong, which was probably not the smartest idea, but we needed to save Jimmy. <laughs> With Mogra? Uh, Uber Mogra. He Uber Mogra, I'm he sorry. Took, I'm uh, sorry. He, took piece, he took parts from both the Mysterian Mogra and the UN Mogra and cobbled uh-huh. them together in, into a new one. Well, wait, say it one more time for me. Uber please. Mogra. Uber Mogra. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to write that one down because I want that to like be my password for everything <laughs> wait now that i've said that i, <laughs> I was gonna say it. you're getting hacked randy uh, is laughing at you right now i don't hear him he listens to the show he is laughing at how poor uh, your cybersecurity is right now <laughs> you know what i can't help it literally it'll be my password for everything if you guys want my money you can come <laughs> get it let me just tell you i probably have just as about as much as jimmy does <laughs> oh, oh so much salt oh look at the salt the salt listen, the listen, salt man, <laughs> the one thing i've always wanted to do when i come up here is just aggravate jimmy oh and you have it succeeded seems- <laughs> It seems so much fun. <laughs> it is. Let just me to tell push you. his buttons. Oh, and he has wonderful buttons to push. 
Yes. All right. And now on to one of my favorite segments of the show and one that is very important for you. (laughs) The Patreon shout outs. Go show Travis Alexander. Eli Connor Harris. Michael Hamilton. Danny DeManna. Chris Cook. The Cellcast. Bex from Redeemed Otaku. Damon Noise. Wow, that was the most southern of Patreon shoutouts <laughs> I have ever done. <laughs> I got to use the voice, man. Yeah, you do. I'm the crazy Midwesterner, the crazy yeah. kid from Hoosier land. So <laughs> different. Sometimes I'm a little self-conscious about the voice, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you just got to lean into it. Hey, you should hear some of the people that I brought up. Ben Chaffins is 10 times this, you know, the Southern that you are. And Michael Hamilton is almost as Southern as you are. He tries to hide it. Not very well, but he hides it. <laughs> I can hide it really easy if I don't talk like really, really fast. All righty. And with that out of the way, now I got to let everybody know what our next episodes are going to be. Except I'm not sure I'm going to survive the next one because it's Gamera Super Monster. We got to keep the year of Gamera going. And oh boy. The problem is I've already seen half of this movie already, if not more than half of it, because it's almost all stock footage. Come on, man. Uh, don't get me started on Dodzilla. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And my guest for that episode, who apparently has a weird appreciation for it, is your fellow MIFV Max member, Danny DeManna the author and creator of the Godzilla Novelization Project. Anyway, we're moving on because I don't want to talk about Gamera Super Monster. I want to talk about a much better movie. (laughs) And that is, next month we get back to Godzilla Redux, and we'll be talking about, and yes, I said it, this is a better movie than Gamera Super Monster, Godzilla King of the Monsters from 1956. Yes, the one with Raymond Burr. And my guest for that episode will be, and here we go, we're going from Eli... To Elijah, because it will be Elijah Thomas, host of the Kaiju Conversation podcast. And apparently, I've talked with him a little bit about that episode, and he has told me that his goal is to argue that King of the Monsters 56 is the superior movie. Uh, <laughs> um, That's going to be a very, like, that's probably going to be one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. <laughs> Don't... Don't bloat his ego too That's much. Good. He's a little gatekeeper as it is. Well, but- <laughs> well no, I'm saying it's going to be a lot of it's it's going to be a lot of stretching. Oh, oh stretch Armstrong right there. Yeah. Well, no, okay, well, it's. I mean, King of the Monsters is pretty good. I was the first one I, Godzilla movie I remember watching besides Godzilla versus Kong. Hey, for it. you mean King Kong versus Godzilla? Just, yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, you go. you I can't, sure. now I can't just... Yeah, two different movies. <laughs> it's okay, man. Don't feel bad. We've wow. all made that mistake. You're still a fan. I don't care what anyone says. You're still a fan. And oh, speaking... I, know. I just don't like the fact that I can't do it now and it'd be okay. Oh, it's all right. And speaking of being a fan, this is the part where you do your shameless self-promotion because we can't end an episode of The Film Vault without shameless self-promotion. What have you got? All right, so... 
I have a Instagram called Kaiju Media Junkie, and we also do a podcast on YouTube. Me, Nerdkeen on Instagram, and Tokusatsu BTS on Instagram behind the scenes called Tokusatsu Beyond. So it's another Kaiju podcast. We try to bring like a, a like uh, I don't know, just like a newer take out of like the youth of the two thousands. I guess that's our <laughs> the idea. Youth, yeah, the Zoomers. <laughs> the zoomers if you will yeah, I guess i'm a i'm a freaking millennial you're a zoomer <laughs> i want to be a millennial i don't, be I don't know if zoomers. you want to be a millennial <laughs> i don't know which one's worse i don't know either <laughs> but anyway you pick your poison on that one. but anyway yes i've listened to the i think at least the first one and a half episodes <laughs> Yeah. of the show i actually forgot that you had i didn't know actually you'd made a another one but if i may humble brag here a little bit it warmed my heart ever so much to find out that you started the podcast in part because you were inspired by listening to the film fault and honestly inspiring someone to start their own show to, to do things I consider to be one of the my greatest accomplishments as a podcaster and i am i'm serious when i say that so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Th thank you for doing your podcast. So I, I, I would be able to like get up the gumption to try and do it. Yes. And uh, it's not over. We have three episodes and we're trying to figure out a new kind of like step for what it can be because what we've tried to do, it, it feels like it's been done before enough to the point like we were like, let's go with all the Godzilla movies. And then it feels like everybody does that. Mm hmm. I yeah, know the feeling. Thank you. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we've gone on a little longer than I expected, like I said. So guess what, Jimmy? Cue those credits. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is MonsterIslandFilmVault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is at TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASAJimmy and the Monster Island Board of Directors at MonsterIslaBOD. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations! And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Twitch. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive Live Edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack Battle with the Colossus and The Open Way Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara! Hey Gary, I came as quickly as I could. It was a busy day at KIJU. So I heard. I'm glad you made it. I've never been here before. This place looks straight out of a 1940s film noir. Big mahogany desk, green glass hooded lamp, grandfather clock, wooden file cabinets. If I didn't know any better, I think this was by far the oldest building on the island. Raymond has 
old-fashioned taste in decor, that's for sure. And yet he relegates you to this little roll-top desk in the corner of the boardroom. Man, how do you know where anything is in this mountain of folders, sticky notes, and... Is that Chinese takeout? Yeah, I have it delivered by Hong King Kong. The Chinese restaurant in the food court that has a guy dressed like Mighty Peking Man as their mascot? <laughs> you betcha. At least it wasn't Yeti. That's for sure. But that explains the hair in the box. Hmm. Huh. You have some interesting plaques on the wall. Legal certification from the Denham University School of Law. That's where Raymond and I went. Cool. And this one. The decree of Joe Jamail, the king of torts. Be authentic in the courtroom. Use exacting language. Don't be arrogant, but trust your judgment. That guy was the richest lawyer in American history. And also one of the biggest jerks, I hear. He's why Shakespeare said to kill all the lawyers. Present company excluded, of course. No offense taken. All right, man. What have you got for me? Well, I... The legal action team is on the case. Ugh, another one? You bet your life, kiddo. I may have to hire our own gumshoe at this rate. Oh, hello there, Mr. Marchand. Rumor has it you're in the market for a lawsuit against a former colleague. Looking to hire the Monster Island legal action team? If it's who I'm thinking, no. He's been radio silent for months. Hmm. Let's hope he's not wearing a Chicago overcoat. Oh, what? Gary, I just got off the horn with the Sawbones, Nick Tatopoulos. He filed a request to legally change Zilla Jr.'s name back to Godzilla, which has the board's support, but the bigwigs at Toho aren't having it. Tatopoulos' argument is that the studio's statement that Americans took the god out of Godzilla when they mistook the big iguana for the bona fide original, that it only applies to the progenitor and not the offspring. Hmm. Sounds legally dubious to me. Plus, who'd be crazy enough to take on Toho's lawyers? They're the meanest in the business. You and me both. My scars from the last time I dealt with them are healing nicely, thank you very much. Which is why I'm letting you handle this trip for biscuits, Gary. What? If and when you lose, it'll teach you how to handle defeat. So, basically this is the lawyer equivalent of the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek? Well, aren't you a regular Abercrombie? Does that make Gary Finch? Besides, Gary, I'm undefeated in the courtroom, and I must uphold my reputation. <sighs> yes, sir. Aces! Now, if you'll excuse me, the board just asked me to represent the island in court because they're pressing charges against Bernie Hayes. I knew that's who they caught sneaking around today. He infiltrated Apex Cybernetics for five years, but our security got him in five minutes. The Titan Truth podcast just hasn't been as popular since he exposed their Mechagodzilla operation. That wet sock is going to wish he'd stuck with those transistorized trash can building rapscallions and not Monster Island as the target of his radio pod show. Abyssinia! And I thought I needed a glossary to understand Jet Jaguar. I'm used to it by now. Anyway, you said you found some clues related to our case. I did, and I only had to go dumpster diving to find them. You what? I also found some stuff in an old file cabinet in a dusty corner of the Sakazawa library. The only reason I was able to see them was because I'm part of the legal action team. But why dumpster diving? <laughs> it was the only way I could find anything from the board without dealing with their crazy security. Yeah, Captain Gordon told me they'd requested his best EDF mutants to guard their boardroom at the top of the mountain. But not Ozaki for some reason. Dude's straight out of Dragon Ball Z and they don't want him as a bodyguard? Let me show you what I found. Good Godzilla, don't tell me you stole the board's garbage. You crazy? We might be tracking it. 
tracking their trash? Yeah, I snapped photos with my flip phone. Here, take a look. Hmm. Broken sunglasses, a bag of used cigars, cracked martini glasses, toy dragon wings, a silver spacesuit with wine stains, and... Are those bullet holes? Maybe. Not quite as incriminating as the influencers they put on Jessica's earrings, but still weird. And those don't mean much without more evidence. What'd you find in that file cabinet? Suspicious financial records. I had to untie a Gordian knot of a paper trail to figure it out, but the island had some weird secret donors when the board reopened it. Like who? Who X's, LZ Diamonds, Future Ions Incorporated. I'm pretty sure those are all shell companies. But then there's also a huge donation from International Children's Federation. The foundation in Switzerland that funded World Children's Land in 1972? That whole thing was a front for the Nebulan cockroaches invasion. I know, right? <sighs> I'm no lawyer, but even I know this isn't enough to build a case against people as powerful as the board. Too bad Mr. Martin is too loyal to them to prosecute. I think it's more that he's blind to what they're doing. Eagle Dodo, like I said. But if I can build a good enough case against him, he'll have to listen. Then we're off to a good start. Now what do we do? I'll keep digging through these old records, but in the next month or so, I'll be meeting one of my contacts from the mainland. Alrighty. I'll let you know if Jimmy, Jess, or I find anything. Wait, you told your producer? Of course. Despite rumors to the contrary, he's my most trusted friend on the island. Okay, but I don't think I'd confide in someone if I wasn't absolutely sure he was legally dead or not. Jimmy, supposedly, died fighting a tyrannical empire. He's on our side. <laughs> Whatever you say. Gary, where's that missing person report filed by a Mr. Kamenly? Uh, uh, I'll go to the island security office to get it now. Jim Crackers! <sighs> Paralegal work is never done. Dude, real gophers dig themselves into fewer holes than you. <laughs> Tell me about it.